What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Maddie O'Neill over Zoom video. Maddie was born and raised in St. Louis and talks about how she got into music, comes from a very musical family. Her dad was actually in a band growing up and her brother also played in a bunch of bands as she was growing up as well. Maddie talked about starting a lot of instruments as a kid, but never really uh, staying focused on playing a specific instrument. She was big into snowboarding at the time, so that took a lot of her focus uh, growing up through middle school, high school. Maddie went to college in Boulder, Colorado, and that's where she fell in love with electronic music. That's where she started to produce. We hear about the first project she had for about six years, starting over from scratch as Maddie O'Neill, what that was like. One of her first shows back as Maddie O'Neill was at Red Rocks in Denver, which is unbelievable. She talks about writing that first album, all the touring she's done, all about the new EP she just released called Mind Over Matter, and all of the shows she has coming up over the course of the rest of the year. You can watch the interview with Maddie on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you rate us there as well, write a review. We would really, really appreciate it. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Maddie O'Neill. Awesome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Nice to meet you, I guess. Yeah, we haven't met before, right? Not met before. I'm Adam. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Awesome. So uh, this is a podcast about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about uh, the new music you put out. Cool. Um, Let me know if you can hear him whining because he had surgery yesterday, so I'm keeping an eye on it. (laughs) Yikes. You all right? Yeah, he's good. No, he's just, he gets a little whiny. Oh, no worries. Um, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, cool. So I always start off, you're born and raised. Are you in Denver? Is that where you're originally from? I actually grew up in St. Louis. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And then I moved to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really even hear him, but okay. it's fine. It, yeah. You need to attend to him. It's no big deal. I feel better. No, it's okay. He'll be fine. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll start over. <laughs> uh, no worries. Um, so yeah, I actually grew up in St. Louis and then I moved to Boulder in 2008 to go to CU Boulder. Okay. And, and that's kind of where I got my start doing music. Um, like sophomore year, I started dabbling in music production and it was kind of like a really pivotal time in the Colorado music scene. It was like right when Grizz and Big Gigantic and Pretty Lights and SDS9 were all like doing their thing like okay so i was definitely heavily inspired by the scene that was going on in colorado and i never left so wow so were you going to clubs and stuff when when they were all coming up yeah yeah i mean uh they they were already kind of like you know at a certain level yeah they were already like at Red Rocks, you know, oh, so damn. I didn't okay. see like the, <laughs> the actual come up, but still, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 So, um, 
yeah, it was it was a really cool time, and and I moved to Denver shortly after that, and all those people have become my friends at this point. So yeah, you toured well. and done stuff with all of those artists. Yeah, yeah, wow. I was just like a baby at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you grew up in St. Louis. What was that like? Um, it was cool. I mean, I never I left like right before I was twenty one, so I didn't really like immerse myself into the nightlife scene and i didn't really get a feel for what the music scene was like other than my brother was in a bunch of indie rock bands so i would kind of i was kind of like in that scene but i never really saw the electronic world there which is interesting Uh i think that's why when i moved to colorado i was kind of like cracked wide open i was just like oh my god like what is happening (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. wow so your brother is your brother older or younger than you he's three years older okay so you grew up like watching him playing bands and everything? Yep. Yeah, he was okay. in a bunch of bands. My dad was in a band um in Hollywood back in the day. Oh wow. In a musical family. And I uh I was like trying to find my way in, but I never stuck with an instrument. I just was always like heavily inspired by it. And I think mm-hmm. um when I figured out that I could produce music without being classically trained in an instrument, I was like, all right, I have to give this a shot, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So I thought that, it was too late. <laughs> well, does anyone else do it professionally or just you now at this point? Just me. Yeah. That's, that's, isn't that pretty wild? I mean, growing yeah. up in, in a family, everyone else is doing it. And then you're the one that ends up taking it as like yeah. a, a career path. Um, so you said your dad was in band. What did he play? He played guitar and sang. And oh, wow. Yeah, and then my brother plays like every instrument, but he was a uh, drummer and guitarist primarily. And also, okay. yeah. So growing up, did you ever see your dad play, or did he have a band when you were growing up? I didn't see like the band. It was called oh, okay. Evening Stage. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, he was always playing music around the house and jamming with his buddies, and yeah, so. That's cool. That's really cool. And you said you didn't really stick to an instrument. Where did your parents put you in like uh, piano or guitar or anything like that when you were growing up? Yeah, I played. Or I took piano lessons, and I also played cello in middle school. Um, but I wasn't really into cello. I wish I stuck with piano like from an early age. About now, like reintroducing myself, but I was kind of like more into sports and doing that kind of thing, and then I came came around eventually <laughs> okay and then what you said you went to college in in colorado is that what took you to to boulder yeah i went to see boulder i was studying um i was pre-journalism so i was marketing and pr okay uh, and i did finish school but it was took a you know took a lot more effort once I discovered music and that, and that that's what I wanted to do. Sure. Yeah. I moved okay. to Denver away from Boulder cause I was partying a little too much. And yeah. Too- Boulder's quite the school. I've heard uh, a lot of people I've grew up in San Diego and I live oh, in Nashville nice. now, but like a lot of people that I, I grew up with were going out there to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was wild. <laughs> yeah. It was like, if you didn't get into San Diego state or it was like Boulder or um, like Arizona where the two yeah. places that people would go to. I, I heard Arizona is pretty wild too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it, was the party aspect of it, uh, like a draw for you? Is that where you're like, Oh, okay. That's a cool school. Uh, not necessarily. I w- I'm a big snowboarder. 
Ah, okay. So that was a, a draw. And that's actually kind of part of what got me into the music scene was there was a lot of overlap between like the pro snowboarder skier scene and uh, music and like parties and stuff. So a lot of actually some of the first two like producers that I met were, was this guy, Andrew Hathaway, who's a pro skier. Um, and he kind of like opened my eyes a little bit to like, or like kind of mentored me a little bit in the world of production. Oh, so, okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I did. I, I grew up skateboarding and it was like also the kind of the hand in hand thing where a yeah. lot of bands I listened to were because I'd watched this old like VHS skate tape and I'm like, who is right. this? Oh, it's Iron Maiden. Okay. Oh, I like this band or whatever it was. Like I was introduced to so much music just totally. from the videos or watching skaters with like a shirt of like the misfits or whoever it may be or Wu-Tang shirt. And you're like, who is yeah. that? <laughs> you're like, hey, check them out. <laughs> so that's yeah, cool. I mean, like, especially in Colorado, it's like every winter I do like a mountain tour. Um, and I, as a snowboarder, I would always like, go to like the small venues in all the mountain towns, like in Breckenridge, I remember seeing Panty Ray and the Glitch Mob and, you know, like, so I would like see these like intimate electronic shows mm -hmm. while I was up for a weekend doing a snowboard thing. So it was definitely like very much intertwined and kind of yeah. like threw me into that world. That's awesome. Are you still snowboarding? I am uh, not as much as I would like to admit, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making it a goal this year to like build that into my schedule because I really miss it. And obviously touring is intense, but you can't, you can't like not have do the things you love to do. Today, hip hop dominates pop culture, but it wasn't always like that. And to tell the story of how that changed, I want to take you back to a very special year in rap. 88, it was too much good music. The world was on fire. fire yeah. I'm Will Smith. This is Class of 88, my new podcast about the moments, albums, and artists that inspired a sonic revolution and secured 1988 as one of hip-hop's most important years. We'll talk to the people who were there. And most of all, we'll bring you some amazing stories. You know what my biggest memory from that tour is? It was your birthday. Yes, and you brought me to Sade, life-size cardboard cutout. <laughs> this is Class of 88, the story of a year that changed hip-hop. Listen to Class of 88 wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge the entire series right now on the Amazon Music app or Audible. You got a lot of dates coming up, at least. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm going to hit like 95 shows this year, which is more than That's I've amazing. ever done in a year. So it's it's been it's been a lot, but I'm I'm stoked and I feel like I finally have this like balance in my life, which really helps because that took a while to figure out <laughs> in the touring world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So but. you said you kind of. You were going to these parties and, and kind of uh, alongside snowboarding and um, you met a pro skier that was also a producer. And that, is that what kind of got you interested in like wanting to learn how to, to DJ and how to produce music? Like what kind of was like, oh, I want to be able to do that. Like, do you remember that moment? Um, that was kind of after I was already interested. I've, I'd like met him and I was like, hey, like, can you show me some stuff or like, oh, okay. I was curious. Um, I actually got my brother Ableton software for Christmas one year, which is the doll that I use to write music. Yeah. 
and he gave me the demo and was just like, you should fuck around with this. Um, so I just popped it in my computer, went to Guitar Center the next day and bought a little uh, launch pad controller. And I just kind of like, I was just really curious. I was, you know, I was hearing all of this music that I was really inspired by. And I just, I, I wanted to know how it was made. Mm -hmm. I just, my brain wanted to like figure out how that happened, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was definitely a producer before I was a DJ. Okay. I started making music before I ever started like playing live or DJing other people's music. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it was a lot of things. I mean, I, I just was going to a lot of shows that serendipitous moment of giving my brother the software and then literally just went down like a YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> like learned as much as I possibly could. So sure. yeah, honestly, I credit YouTube for like most of what I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wild now that you could just go. Yeah, I know. Like when I was growing up, you had to go on like ultimate guitar tab or something like that and try to figure out how to play. Now it's yeah. like go on YouTube and somebody will teach you how to pretty much do whatever you want to know. Like yeah. change a car battery, like whatever it may be. You're like, oh, how do I like build totally. this? And then just some guy in his backyard doing that. <laughs> it's guy. like so crazy. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah. It was like YouTube tutorials and literally just like trial and error, you know, like not being afraid to like fuck up. Yeah. And were you putting up your music like on SoundCloud or anything like that? Or like Yeah. So I was in a duo project called Crooked Drivers. Okay. Really <laughs> <laughs> how did you meet the out. other? How did you meet the other half of Crooked Drivers? Uh, it was actually an old partner of mine. Okay. Um, and so that was a project that lasted about five years. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, so that was like 2010 to 2016, or like something like that. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I left that project to start the Maddie O'Neill project. Okay. So I've been in the game way longer than just this. Sure. Kind of the moment where it was like, it felt right and everything kind of fell into place. And yeah. Um, okay. so, so you we, were doing this for a long time. I mean, you're of six years of doing this and building that project. Yes. And then I kind of like started over. Um, I mean, I had all the connections that I made and the relationships and um, the skills, obviously, but I started over as like a brand. Um, which was terrifying and exciting at the same time, but I bet. Right. Like, I mean, you out. left something that was already established, right. You've been working on it for five years, six years. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, okay, I'm going to start from like zero. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty scary, but, uh, I think sometimes the scariest things that you do at, you know, yield the best results. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so did you, was there like a moment when, or like, what was kind of the first, like validation, like, okay, I should, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that I went this way and started, you know, just my own thing. Um, I had so much support when I left that project because we were doing really well. It just wasn't a healthy situation for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were kind of like on the come up, which was even harder to leave a situation. Right. Um, but I had a lot of support, like my now manager, is all is pretty lights as manager oh wow that's huge he, yeah he put me on red rocks as an opening slot for pretty lights before i even had a name 
Oh my gosh. My new project, basically. Or before I had like a logo. He's like, you got to figure out your logo. Like we're making the Red Rocks poster. So like, <laughs> oh, wow. I had like a huge, huge amount of support. Like Michael Menner um, was, it called me up and was like, I'm not going to let you sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Like I've been in your position. You're so talented. He's like, I'm going to put you on these shows. It was like five months from this conversation. And he's like, take this time to write an album. Cause I was like, I'm not going to play a show until I have this amount of original music so I can prove to people like what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. with this new project. So in that time between the shows that Michael put me on my first shows and the conversation that I'm talking about, I wrote my whole first record. Oh my gosh. It was like 10 tracks or something. So I had a lot of people like pushing me and like giving me opportunities so that I would have like things to look forward to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's awesome they have that community really cool. of people yeah that were support that supportive of or yeah. of you right i mean to go yeah. and then write a whole album so at that point they just knew that you were talented it was like we're gonna put you on the show yes like okay well i need to like write some songs yeah. so that must have been like so much pressure it, it was a lot of pressure and like honestly looking back on that red rock show like i was totally not ready <laughs> but you know, like that's, that's how I've lived. My career is like saying yes to things that you're not ready for Mm -hmm. and meeting yourself there, you know? Mm -hmm. Was that hard to write that first album or did you kind of already know what you wanted this project to sound like? Um, it was definitely, I mean, I'm trying to like remember even cause that was like six years ago, but Mm -hmm. I definitely, uh, it was freeing to me because I was like, felt like I had no, I was like, I wonder what I sound like by myself. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, I definitely had habits that carried over from my techniques and production, but um, yeah, I think it definitely was hard and scary, (laughs) but, and like, I'm still figuring out my sound in my lane, you know, it was just kind of like that first step in, um, and figuring that out, which was exciting and, and definitely felt good to invalidating because I could write this, all of this music by myself. Cause you're, you yeah. know, to a certain extent, if you're in a duo, you're, you're leaning on somebody else a little bit. Um, but it was, it was definitely validating to know that I could do everything. Yeah, do it on your own. Yeah. I bet. Especially. Yeah. If you're bouncing ideas off this other person and then it's like, Okay, right. now it's just me, and what do I want to sound like? Because it's probably you don't yeah. want to write a sound like that other project. You know, exactly, new stuff. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna go in this direction. And was yeah. there like, do you remember the first song or like writing your first one? You're like, okay, this I got it. This is what I'm gonna do. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely moments along the way that just clicked. Yeah, you know, it's just those constant. It's such a roller coaster when you're like writing in general. Sure. You know? Some days you're like, I forget how to make music. Like, fuck. <laughs> you know, some days you're like, I'm the best producer ever. Right. <laughs> uh, so there was just moments along the way that uh, were validating or I was like, okay, this feels like me. I'm going to mm. keep doing that. If you're an independent artist, you may know the struggle of you got these great songs How do I get them in front of record labels, radio DJs, get them on Spotify playlists? How does this happen? 
Well, friends, this is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I'm going to tell you about this amazing website called DropTrack. DropTrack will get you a free press release for your music with the new AI-powered PR agent from DropTrack. DropTrack has helped thousands of independent musicians actually get their music heard by connecting them with record labels, radio DJs, Spotify playlist curators, and now DropTrack is leveraging the power of AI to help you promote your music. It's super simple. All you have to do is upload your song, and then DropTrack will write a professional, personalized press release that describes your music all in just seconds. Then DropTrack helps you share it with the world. You might ask yourself, Adam, why do I need a press release for my music? Well, you need a press release because you need to be able to describe your music in words. You can send the press release to record labels or radio programmers, media outlets, and these industry folk and your fans will actually be able to read about your music before they even press play on the song. This will also get them interested in your music so they want to listen to it. A really good friend of mine has been an independent musician for a number of years, written so many great songs, but he's like, why do I need a press release? So I explained to him the importance of the press release, being able to describe the music. People know what they're getting into before they even press play. He drops his song into drop track. It writes this beautiful press release. Then all he has to do is just send it out. Super simple. What are you waiting for? Get a press release for your own song. Try it now for free at www.droptrack.com. That's droptrack.com. That's D-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K, droptrack, droptrack.com. Check it out today. Yeah, you've put out a bunch of, e uh, what, four EPs, I believe, or so? I Another and then an album one, last year. Or yeah, I put out a full length LP. The full length LP last year will be the second one, mm -hmm. the one that I'm talking about. I did like my debut LP. Yeah, the, the first one in like 2016 or whatever. Yeah, and then I did my first follow up to that last year called Ricochet, mm -hmm. and then the EP that I put out two weeks ago I think is my fifth EP. Okay. Yeah. 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 That, that so yeah, it was it was pretty ballsy to come straight out the gate with an LP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. You, <laughs> but I, but like, I mean, oh. you you put that out there, right? You're like, I don't want to do a show unless I have enough, uh, this many yeah. songs. And then it was like, well, here's my first album. <laughs> yeah, well, because I see I see some producers just putting out their debut EP, and they've been like killing it for a long time. Right. So I guess I just had a different, you know, everyone has their own path, and I yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to like come out swinging <laughs> yeah that's cool though that, i think that's really yeah admirable to like be like you know i'm just an, i'm not gonna do a single and then have people <laughs> hope that they like the rest of this just like here's the whole album let's just do yeah, it yeah totally <laughs> with um obviously your business is a, a lot of in the edm world there's a lot of live music right a lot of live shows and clubs yeah. and parties and stuff i mean when this when the pandemic happens like at what point were you working on music? Were you getting ready for like a big tour? And then that just, cause you had put an album or an EP out in 2019. And then was oh, it the like, pandemic? yeah, did that like kind of rip everything out from under you? Obviously with um, most, most of everybody, but were you um, just cause I know just so much of, of EDM and, and, and electronic music is like the atmosphere and the party and the, yeah. you know, the vibe. Honestly, I was 
when that happened, mm-hmm. I was kind of burnt out on touring and I was in an interesting place um, where I felt like I wasn't growing as a producer because I didn't, I never had time. And I was like, I was really caught up in the party world. Okay. At that time. So I was like touring a ton, you know, not getting a lot of sleep and didn't have any time to like actually sit and produce and grow and, and feel like I was getting better. I felt mm-hmm. like I was kind of like going through the motions so pandemic was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because I needed like to put a pause and like really reform my vision. Um, I was not as productive as I had hoped I would be over the pandemic, <laughs> but I like learned how to like active listen again. Um, mm. and, I, and I did a lot of like searching and like really honing my, my DJ skills as well. That's kind of like when I fell in love with house music and started doing like the madhouse sets mm-hmm. uh, kind of were born from that. So I definitely did a lot of exploration over the pandemic and like figuring out where I wanted to be and, and uh, what those next steps were with like a clear head versus, you know, feeling like I was burnt out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see how that could easily happen. I mean, if you're getting tours and you're doing music, I mean, it would be something where you don't want to say no, like you said earlier, just say yes to everything and then kind of figure it out. Like, right, right. You say no, are they, are you going to get another call or is it like, oh, you know, yeah, Maddie said no last time. So. Right. And <laughs> at the time I was like, the, the money that I was making was like, I was like surviving. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to say no to shows because I was like, got to yeah, there's, pay there's my, bill. my paycheck. Right. Yeah. So, so I think it was, it was a necessary pause for me. And I feel like the growth that I've had since the pandemic was because I had that time to like, really focus on myself, figure out like what balance I needed to be able to be in a good headspace to be successful moving forward. And like, you know, just honing all of these things that I never had time to do. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you like, just, was it just a lot of time screwing around on the computer, like with the programs and trying to figure out things like, uh, were, was there something that unlocked that you're like, Oh wow. Like this is, you know, I'm going to go, I've discovered this certain thing that I hadn't used or wasn't, you know, hip to at the time when I was in 2019, uh, when I had done my last CP or whatever it may be. I don't know. I think it was honestly, it was, it was a bunch of different things. It was like, I, so my normal sets, I play with Ableton mm-hmm. um, and I use two drum pads versus like decks. I think once I started really DJing, I started thinking about my music differently um, whether that's like transitions or thinking about it in a live setting or, um, I just started listening to a lot more music because mm. sometimes, you know, you're around music all the time. You're making music. Sometimes you forget to like really actively listen. I think that was a big part of it. Um, and I mean, I'm just constantly learning, like if there's a new plugin that people are talking about. I always look it up most of the time buy it (laughs) (laughs) try to like keep up with you know the technology that's happening and like the sound design world um i think that yeah there was definitely a bunch of a bunch of factors but i i feel like i was i got re i got inspired again which is the most important part you know because if you're not feeling it and you're not stoked you're probably not going to make your best music 100% 100% with it you just released an EP yeah two uh, two weeks ago or so not yeah, very yeah. long ago 
I have tour brains. So I have no idea what date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have shows like every weekend. It looks like coming up all. Yeah. The, I mean, through the end of the year. Yeah, I kind of a lot coming home on like Monday, and then I usually have like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I'm flying out on Thursdays. Yeah. So it is nice to come home for a couple of days, though. But you know, <laughs> it's like, you're gone again. So like you'll be in New York. Like yeah, this- basically coming weekend like in on saturday yep <laughs> i basically put my clothes in the washer put them right back into the suitcase <laughs> oh my gosh um, with i mean yeah that's a lot a lot of touring coming and yeah. with the ep coming out like when did you start working on on those those songs that just recently came out um those were i don't even know Probably in like January. Oh, okay. Yeah. So these were like They're really new then. I mean, it's only October. Yeah, you're right. I don't really remember. I think I <laughs> <laughs> honestly I I write a lot of music in the winter because that's when like I actually have like bigger chunks of time at home. Mm-hmm. So like my bigger projects, the the ones that are more cohesive outside of singles, I think I write a lot in the winter. Um I'm looking forward to January. I'm gonna take the month off and oh. write music in January. Nice, yeah, deserved because, yeah. like, yeah, you started a couple of weeks ago and all the way up through the 22nd. It's got stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like festival season straight into fall tour. So, yeah, yeah. you you got the chance to pretty much do all the big ones, right? All the big festivals. I did a lot of. My bucket list festivals this year it was like Coachella, Bonnaroo, um, Torben. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Coachella itself is like, that's yeah. like the, it's crazy how that became like the festival. I mean, it's awesome, but it's like, yeah. to me, it's- I remember when it started and like, you could just like walk up and get a ticket. And it was only like really or two days. Yeah. It became two days and it was a whole three days and it was two weekends in a row. I was like, Oh my God, this is yeah. wild. Um, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. What was that? a? In, that must've been an insane experience playing Coachella. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just glad that like the do lab exists and that they're like paying attention to underground up and coming artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty cool space to be involved in, like at the same time that you're watching like superstar acts, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, I had, I had a funny story. It was kind of stressful getting into Coachella. I didn't realize how insane it was. Like I you almost park like 10 I miles away. My own set. <laughs> oh my I God. Literally, I literally walked up with 10 minutes to spare. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was really stressful. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a show in Boulder the night before. It was mm-hmm. like a 420 show. And there you go. that came through like way after I had that book. So I was like, okay, so I have to fly out the morning of, which I would normally not do for uh-huh. six o'clock set. Um, yeah, so like the biggest festival. Something like that. Planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so I flew into like John Wayne and there was just like so much traffic getting down there and then I couldn't even get to like the gate to get in because there was just red traffic everywhere. Like I almost walked. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Even when you learned. park there, it's like 
literally 10 miles. Like you're just parked yeah. and you just walk. And there's so many of these like buzzer things where you have to like hit your wristband on it. It's like, there's no oh, way yeah. to really run in there. There's like 50 of them. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. That. That's for sure. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> so much security um but that's yeah. awesome that you got the chance to do that um yeah. and, and i said <laughs> and yeah you made it to it though yes the do labs that cool like like box building right it, it's, it's like, like uh it's outside it has like yeah. the, the i forget what they're called like the triangle tapestry yeah like, yeah um that's cool that's really cool um so yeah you got the tour coming up are there are you playing any cities you haven't done yet or pretty much um, I am, actually done. i haven't done santa fe i haven't done the santa fe meow wolf okay which i've heard is like the coolest one it's like the original meow wolf um doing columbia missouri which is not far from where i grew up but that's cool like all of my all of my uh most of my high school friends went to Mizzou. Oh, I mean, wow. A lot of them don't live. They left. So like right. the next generation, <laughs> but it'll be cool to go play there. Um, and most of the other ones are kind of cities that I've been to time and time again. It's just cool to be able to do my own shows there. Finally. Yeah. You're a headliner, right? Yeah. Versus done- like going with a bunch of uh, other artists. Right. Yeah. Like I think I've played San Francisco, like at least six or seven times, but it's never been my own show. And I get to go back and do co-headline with Minnesota for pretty lights after party, you know? So it's, it's a lot of like, okay, cool. I'm finally at this point. Yeah. Validating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for taking time today to, yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, very good Yeah, I have one more quick question. I want to know okay. if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, I would say you can't do it alone. Uh, immerse yourself in the community that you're in or that's closest to you or a community. There's plenty. There's plenty of people online talking about production and you know creating little support groups together um and i think that was huge for me is having a support system and people that you can lean on and learn from um and the community that the music community that you're building i think is a big part of you know that's it's a big part of why i do what i do so like seeing seeing what's going on and like the ripple effect of, of what's happening, I think is, is pretty cool.